Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Best Piece of Advice Ever, the show in which I, Daniele Fiendarka, speak to creatives about the best piece of advice they've ever been given and the impact it has had on their lives. In today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by the legendary Norman Jay, who talks about creativity, diversity, music's power to connect, and what still keeps him fresh and full of boundless energy. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, Norman J MBE. Can I can I just call you Norman? Yeah, of course. That's, <laughs> no need to be formal. Um, <laughs> welcome. For those that don't know you, um, please could you tell our kind listeners what you do? Uh, I'm a DJ, broadcaster, record producer. Or I used to be. Um, yeah, that's what I, I do. You know, um, radio festival DJ, club DJ, party DJ. Um, I make people dance for a living. Yeah, yeah. amazing. I yeah. encourage people to dance. You do. Yeah. And um, what were you, what are you most famous for? I don't know about the word fame. Well known. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, but I'm not sure. I don't really do the fame thing. Uh, but I am probably more known for um, being a festival DJ. Yep. Um, in the last few years, um, running seminal clubs in London playing all over the UK, all over the world. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's funny you ask me that, because I've got to think about that. Are you, I mean, would it <laughs> yeah. be fair to say you're also very much attached mm. to Nottingham Carnival? Um, used to be. Yeah. Used to be for um, up until 2013, when I kind of unofficially, but officially, but unofficially retired from it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I won't be going back there anymore. And but, what drove you to retire from it? Um Loads of factors, really. Uh, the gentrification of the area of our spot was one major factor. Um, the slightly changing demographic, uh, the heavy-handedness of the local council and the police. And I thought, after 32 years, do I really need this? Wow. Well, you can guess the answer. Wow. No. Yeah. Well, amazing, mm. 32 years. Yeah. How has it changed in that time? How did it, you know, apart from that, I mean, uh, what was it? It's been an amazing journey. Uh, watched generations grow up first in front of our sound system in our original plot on uh, Cambridge Gardens, which is adjacent to Portobello Green. And then in 1991, we made the groundbreaking um, uh, migration north one mile to Southern Row, where it's probably where everyone remembers us from Southern Row, West Row, with the big red bus, etc. And we had our greatest ever moments Amazing. there. <laughs> Great. And uh, so tell me, how did you get to become a DJ? Um, by default, really. I mean, it's a question I've been asked many times in my career. I didn't set out to be a DJ. Um, when I started, um, being asked to play records is because you were the loser. <laughs> the loser never got to take part in the party, never got to chase the girls, never got was able to get drunk. Oh, get Norman, he's got loads of records. So you're stuck behind the decks. Um, but yeah, I was a, I was a avid record collector. Um, and as I grew into my teens, I was a serial party goer, as fun as allowed. Um, serious concert goer, saw every black act that ever came to the UK, good old Hammersmith Odeon. Um, 
roller skated to the music. <laughs> uh, and along with my brother, we built our own sound system um, to play the music. Uh, and then created our opportunity to um, gate crash Notting Hill Carnival in 1980 to show that we were capable of um, being able to entertain people and make people dance. Because I was going to clubs for, for years and years before that. But I don't know whether it was an age thing or just the scene was changing, but it was becoming stale. I felt DJs were becoming lazy. I'm not hearing the records that I'm buying with passion and great enthusiasm in the shops on a Saturday afternoon. I'm not hearing those records played out on a Saturday night. So I guess the frustration um, has kind of manifested itself, thinking, well, I'm going to do this myself. <laughs> I'm going to play all the records that that we love, that I know our crowds love, uh, which was, you know... A different direction to where the and did you did you know it were you conscious at the time of being a pioneer within that space or did it just come naturally and you just and you yeah just... I wasn't I wasn't conscious I think it was that it was, it was a punk definitely a punk attitude um, in me was to swim against the mainstream <laughs> you know um, take risks be different um, and then you can be judged you know on your own efforts then you know I live or die by the decisions that I made then. So what um, if we talk about? I know um, speaking to Dan, you've mm. had a you've you've been busy. Um, <laughs> what's what's the most punk thing you've done recently? Uh, most punky thing I've done recently. Um, now there's there's a question. Uh, I I don't think I do anything sort of um, punky in inverted commas, but uh, you know most... I, I I have been called a maverick. Yeah, I like I like the. The idea of being called a maverick. Um, I just go where the music takes me. Yep. Um, not afraid, never afraid to be as commercial as I need to be, or I won't use the word commercial, as accessible as the music needs to be to engage the crowds in front of me. Uh, and conversely, I can be as anally retentive <laughs> with, with the music. I could play records no one's ever heard, no one's got. You know, but somewhere between those two extremes um, lies the truth. Yep, amazing. So um, let's come to the big question. So mm. what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given and by whom? Uh, but no singular piece of advice. I've been given um, snippets by my mum and dad and good people and mentors. Um, and I guess it's to be patient. You know, success takes as long as it takes. But every failure you encounter, it makes the success even more sweeter when it comes. Um, you know, all of those little truisms, uh, I think, really ring true. I mean, for me as a, as a DJ, it was always about the long game. As I have said to people, you know, I spent more years being unknown, unpaid, unfamous <laughs> um, than I have being known, paid. <laughs> Yeah. Etc. Uh, success doesn't come, you know, easy. Uh, you have to work for it, and you know, I was imbued with a, I was imbued with a strong work ethic, so I always worked hard. I was never afraid to do the legwork. You know, I used to stand outside clubs in the pouring rain, in the snow, handing out flyers. You know, done all of that, gone into spaces when we were doing our illegal parties, setting up all the sound, lifting all the boxes up flights of stairs with no handles you know 
lugging heavy record boxes around uh, and basically going where angels feared to tread um, and you learn from those experiences and yeah I've been given some really um, good pieces of advice um, down the years um, some I've kind of uh, enacted to um, or reacted to literally and others that you know the penny dropped several years later and you realise oh, such and such was right yes yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean I couldn't quote you any of yeah, those, no, no, the, those things off the top of my head but I kind of you're, you're right subliminally or subconsciously I do kind of live my life or try to live my life by um, the really good bits of advice that have been given to me you know only a fool ignores good advice very good mm. and if you were looking at I mean I think you've already talked about it briefly but in terms of mm. anyone that's looking to be a DJ now mm. what you know a, a, beyond working hard yeah. what, what what other advice could you give them um, the first and foremost one I get is be patient don't crave the success success finds you you don't find it especially in this game um uh, yeah, but be patient. It's got to be a long game. If you're in it to be instantly famous and get that million hits on YouTube or yeah, that, then yeah. yeah, see you later. Yeah, anybody can do that. Yeah. Um, you you need to be able to you know the real work comes in sustaining it, maintaining it, and as and when required, reinventing yourself. You know, um, even at my age, I'm in my sixties now, my early sixties. You know, the one adage I always kind of work by is um, if you want to remain in this game, remain relevant. Yeah. Try and be relevant. And how do you do that? How do you... Um, it's easier for me to be relevant uh, or yeah, or to remain relevant. It's, it's slightly easier because yeah, I don't need to learn all the new tricks that the new DJs or the current DJs use, which is fantastic. Um the advantage I have is knowledge there's no substitute for that yep. in my head is my own computer of 60 years of, of music trends um, and I'm able to draw on that yep. consciously and subconsciously um, but I think you know if I was starting out today the advice I'd give to you know to, to DJs work hard at your craft because it is a craft whichever way or whatever part of it you wish to be you know pursue you can be, I don't know whoever said that in the beginning, but you can be um, master of everything. You know, this sort of jack of all trades, but master of none. You can be jack of all trades and you can be master of all of them. Only your your mindset is the limit on that. You can be. I don't know who created that. I suppose it was somebody said that to keep people down. But you can be whatever you want to be if you're prepared um, to work hard at it. I don't mm. think it's really interesting because we hear that quite a lot, which is, mm. you know, the need for a relentless focus on one mm. thing. And I, that's not how my brain works. No. I, just, I just couldn't do that. Yeah. And so, you know, recording a podcast for yeah, you yeah, doesn't, yeah. It is very unrelated to the business. I yeah, run. absolutely. But yeah. this yeah. is so important. Yeah, but, you know, it's a mindset between, and I'm presuming that our generation, but if you're a millennial, who's born into computers. They've never known life without computers. They've never known life without click, download, like, <laughs> share. 
you know, this is something, a concept I'm still trying to get my head around. Yeah. Um, but being an old git, the one thing I always understood that however much you try and reinvent the wheel, I know it'll always be round. Yeah. So I don't have an issue. Don't have yeah. a problem yeah. with it. So if we look at technology, you mm. you know you're you're seeing how technology is changing mm. um, your the craft. Yeah. What what do you just generally in terms of technology? I'd love mm. to know what what do you what have you seen as the biggest benefits, and also what have you seen as the real dangers of technology? And the, the, the dangers. Let's start with the dangers. The dangers of technology is the reliance upon it. I don't rely on it. I'm glad I'm from the generation and from the era I'm from. You know, for me, um, gen you know, technology generally should be used as like a garnish, as a spice to enhance what you do. Um, and it adds variety, it adds sparkle, it adds theatre to to what you do. Um, but when you come from, come at it from a standpoint where you're all gizmos, you're all toys, you're all on top of the technology. But your music taste isn't worth diddly squat. You know, the people behind, you know, the, the music technology are, re are now trying to, they have been for years, trying to reinvent the wheel by selling you back records. You know, oh, that's a great idea, vinyl records. And selling you back the, the old analogue technology, which we've already had, we've already used, already been through, know the pitfalls of it. Like I said, there's no... You know, there's nothing like experience. Um, but having said that, you know, I would never poo-poo it. Um, in the beginning, I used to be uh, intimidated by the rapid advance of technology. Um, but it's like I always aligned it to like driving a car. You don't need to know everything. You don't need to know how it works. All you need to know is put your key in, start the ignition, and drive it. You don't need to know about the wiring loom. Yeah. You, you don't need to, you know, to to know how it works and it's the same thing like me I mean um, I used vinyl I don't know for how many years decades until tapes came and I used cassette tapes used quarter inch reel to reel tapes when the digital thing it came in with CDs I used CDs I used that machines I've been through all of them um, I drew the line at using a computer at live gigs yeah drew the line at that yeah um don't condemn those who chose to use it uh and it was tended to be used by younger people who you knew no different so yeah. you couldn't and they became masters of that but you know i i looked at it as like having a car with dual control yes you can have the old school and you use the new school sparingly or creatively as and when you need to use it to enhance what you do yeah. not to be the sole reason of what you do yeah um so i never had an issue with it um and i always knew again you want one understood that the rapid movement of the technology meant that this will soon be obsolete and they will create or invent something that's even more user friendly yeah i use usb sticks um i don't carry vinyl don't carry records i haven't played vinyl goodness knows how many years but I still own my vinyl collection I would never sell it and I still occasionally buy records even though I don't use them you know it's the old school it's the tactile thing of using all your senses which is one thing that technology doesn't it kind of mutes your senses 
um, because you're essentially just using your fingers maybe to touch, your eyes to look, and your ears to hear. But what about your smell? What about your your other sixth sense that lies dormant because this technology is making it, you know, your ability to be on the same mental wavelength as a crowd, an ability to read a crowd and know when that euphoric moment is going to come or you sense that they're tiring, you need to slow the beats down a bit or you need to speed it up. Computers don't tell you that. Yeah. Doesn't, even on the screen. Yeah. You know, and we will struggle, some of us, who need glasses, <laughs> um, you know, to reading small print, you know. And then this is the technology dictating how you work. No. I use the senses that I was born with, and I use the technology sparingly to enhance, you know, the um, the vibe I'm trying to create. And so where's your favourite record store in the world? Um, right here, right now, I guess, just round the corner from where we're sitting in. And so there's a, there's a couple sounds of the universe, I guess. They're, they're really good. Um, there's a little record shop that's still going in um, in Putney. Yeah, the boys there. Soul Brother Records are still going there. There's a, another shop on Poland Street. Help me out. Can you remember the shop I on Poland Street? Yeah, it's just up there sorry guys but you know who you are on Poland <laughs> Street yeah there's three or four little emporiums Amazing. which which um, are still great have a you know fantastic array and selection of records but buying records now is a rich man's sport you know records are like 15, 20 quid they yeah. go come yeah. on yeah when you can download something for like 99p I know <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> Um, so, um, your autobiography, Mr. Good Times, came out recently, which outlines your incredible journey so far. Mm. Um, just interesting, because in sitting down and recounting that story, mm. was there anything that surprised you? You kind of went, wow. You yeah, know, you quite literally... a lot. Looking back, um, looking back with you know, the benefit of hindsight, thinking, wow, was that really happening at the time? Was I really part of that? Yeah, quite a lot of it, as I was recounting... Um, elements of, of 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 my life you know in london clubland in in music um i was like wow <laughs> i didn't realize you know i was just I, I i'm i'm glad i had an age of innocence yeah. you know didn't wasn't really aware of what was going on around me i had an inkling that what we were doing was important i understood as i got a little bit older that it's always right to challenge the status quo ask questions, stretch it a little bit. As, as a DJ, I've always taken musical risks um, and never been bothered um, when the risks don't work or when they fail. You know, toilet, my attitude was, okay, turn any failure into a triumph. Style it out, who cares? You know, well, failure is important. Failure is important. I think someone said mm. to us, if you if you um, if you don't fail, you haven't tried hard enough. Yeah, you haven't learned anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes for effect, you know, one of my old DJ tricks used to be, you know, whether I, I'm trying to get a room working with whatever music it takes, and for whatever reason, the vibe is not working. So, or the music's not working. So I'd switch everything off. And yeah. you'd be amazed how quickly it focuses everybody's attention. Again, oh, DJ. Yeah. But for that moment, you've got everyone's attention. Then you can start again. 
I mean, there's no sound louder than the sound of silence in a club. That's great. It's amazing. (laughs) And how often have you done that in your career? Um, Quite a lot in the early days. Not so much now. Uh, But these are little things that you learn, you know, when whatever you're trying musically isn't working. Uh, And again, you know, uh, I've never been intimidated, scared, frightened, nervous of changing the music if it's not working. You know, I've never been a slave to the beat. Yeah. Slave to the rhythm, but never a slave to the beat. Um, and I kind of qualify that by, you know, in this electronic age of boof, 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 boof. Um, you know, I never claim to be the world's greatest mixer. I'm really not interested in that. It's just merely a means to convey... Um, get the music out there um, but I guess my strength uh, is that I'm a selector yep. selector first and foremost I yep. have the knowledge of a selector and I challenge any beat guy <laughs> against you know my selection against your beats yeah. no, no contest yeah, and I think if we look at the world mm. of how much content there is mm. selection or curation what yeah. Is, yeah. is so important of course now, it is because you, you there's just too they much. tried to say it wasn't Oh, they tried to say it doesn't have as much importance, but um, the human mind and the body will always favour curation <laughs> because we're not a perfect science, yeah. all right? And our minds, our brains understand nuance. Machines, as we speak, don't understand nuance. That's what artificial, you know, intelligence is about. Is is being able to understand or predict nuance. The human mind is brilliant for that. Uh, And our emotions are tuned to respond to that. Unless you take drugs. I'm not advocating these drugs. It kind of dulls all those other senses. So you're in a boof, 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 boof. Whether it's slow with hip-hop or R&B or speed it up with its house or trance or techno or whatever. You know, that's an artificial construct and the human can't deal with that unless they have an out of body experience what we know you know is that you know the heartbeat led to the drum and the drum is the first instrument, the drum is the first telephone, the drum is the first communicator of you know of emotion, of the human emotion wherever that leads happiness melancholy ecstasy you know um, and we are all the same that way so the music that stimulates those senses or those emotions is the music I've always played I've always understood that you know I've always that I've always understood it's a heartbeat whether it's really slow you know the slower the heartbeat means the sexier the, <laughs> the, the music the faster the thing then you're racing to your orgasm and then it's over. It's not something that can be sustained. The human body doesn't work like that, nor does the mind, nor does the music. Um, but if you understand the mechanics of all of that sort of music, you can embrace it and you can use it to play to any crowd, whatever the makeup. So my favourite, I love the mm. heartbeat. I think mm. the favorite, my favourite facts I've learned mm. in the last 12 months mm. 
has been that when people sing together, yeah. their hearts start to beat together. Yes, right. Yeah, I, yeah. There's a synchron. Yeah, I just that, you know that just you know it's just it's literally amazing. Yeah, yeah. just to understand how yeah. we're in sync. You know, no man is an island. Yeah, you know, we're we're in sync. See those things like you just said. I've always known that. I've always understood that. Don't know how, but I've always known that. And I guess that things, knowing things like that, and implementing things like that. Is, contributed to my relevance yeah. <laughs> I won't say success my relevance um, to the to this day and so if we go back into your career um, across that span we talked about mm. what surprised you what 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 so far are mm. you most proud of uh, I'm proud of still being here <laughs> really yeah. um, proud that I was born proud that I came from a good family good loving family um, proud that I, you know, I married a lovely lady, Jane. Um, two grown-up sons, Mark and Russell. You know, life has been kind to me. I won't say God because I'm not religious, but life and circumstance has been kind to me. Very lucky. I've met some fantastic people along the way. Uh, one or two W's, but in the main, <laughs> some, some brilliant people. And I've always been fortunate to have been in the right place with the right people at the right time doing the right things i don't know i've been fortunate in that yeah i think i i I listen i i I think luck comes into everything we do but i think coming back to your original (laughs) comments i always love that gary player (laughs) comment which is (laughs) the harder the the harder i work the luckier i seem to get Get. (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, you know you i I think those things can can't be intertwined yeah i I do think you make some of your own luck as well of course you do yeah i'm a firm believer in that You, you make your own luck but then is it luck or is it your ability or other people's ability around you to engineer circumstance is it luck or is it nurture yeah, very no. good. So um, I know you're a massive Spurs fan, um, <laughs> and, and you're Arsenal. For I, the am, record. I am, and we're not going to hold it against each other. <laughs> um, and your book covers mm. aspects of racism within football back in the seventies, yeah. eighties. And alas, if we look recently, mm. you know, racism has become a hot topic topic within football. Again, yeah. What's your kind of view? You know, what what has what has changed? And do you think you know is there light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, yeah, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I think it's phases that people go through. I mean, it's almost... I can't remember who was it that once said that, you know, we're, we're, we're doomed to repeat the mistakes, <laughs> you know, of times in the past. We've learnt nothing. Um, you know, the, the far right now has a digital means to perpetuate hate and division. Um, but there are still um, voices in the wilderness. You can ignore them. The moment you acknowledge them, you're paying credence to them. Yeah. Um, because those same people you'll find, for every hundred people that go on the internet peddling that kind of bile, if you bumped into them in the street and grabbed them by the collar, they couldn't look you in the eye. <laughs> and I'm comfortable with that, you know. Um, I don't personally pay any mind to keyboard racists and keyboard warriors you know they're a distraction they're a diversion you know I want to meet my enemy face to face you know I want to see the person face to face call me an end to my face I don't know what could happen what could result but then at least I'll know where I stand and I will 
give you just a little that you've got the courage of convictions to say what you really think. I hate that the people who hide yeah. and 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 do that. Um, if you're going to do it, be open. Then we know where we stand, and we'll deal with it as we have to. Well, I think I think so. Mm. We so we work a lot in inclusion diversity, and I mm. think what we find is um, a lot of the bad behaviours. Mm. A lot mm. of it comes from ignorance. Mm. And we're using ignorance as pejorative, but it's just most it's of just, it. All of it comes from ignorance. Yeah. If you knew better, you wouldn't do it. So it all come everything like that comes from from. And ignorance. so we have yeah. to have the conversations sure. because yeah. we can't change that ignorance yeah. unless it's the conversations in the open. Is my yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, but there's, there there will always be, thankfully, a minority who. It's by. By by nurture. Because one learns these things. You're not born with them. You're not born a racist, you know. So it's definitely nurture. You learn, you're taught, and then you're encouraged. <laughs> um, so you can always train. You yeah. can always teach people, yeah. teach children that hatred is wrong, bigotry is wrong. Um, some people have a problem, you know, dealing with that. But one day they will die, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. And then somebody else who comes after them will hopefully have learned from that. Look back at history and seen what it's done. I used to pity people who thought like that, who who you know who carried this. But that that's the way of the world. Yeah, it's not going to be ended overnight. But thankfully, thankfully, mercifully, however bad things get that created by a minority there was a majority of people out there who will stand yep. correct against it yep. you know uh, and if you have faith in that yeah then it's just a problem that we have to overcome but we will overcome it in the end you know okay. or however long it takes Fantastic. Yeah. So um, I recently co-wrote a book called Create Superpowers. I have a copy mm. of you after this. Yeah, you? good man. Uh, yeah. Which is really focused on mm. how we can equip ourselves to the age of creativity. So I think mm. coming back to your point before about mm. artificial intelligence, mm. fundamentally at the heart of that is mm. the fact that if you look at us versus robots, yeah. there are only really two things that will differentiate mm. us. Mm. One, creativity, and two, emotional intelligence. Yeah, but the, the, the issue with that is is that at the moment, as human beings... We are equipped to deal with our universe and everything around us. But our skills are being lost because we are outsourcing this to a phone or a computer. So this, you, this you mean your, our brains? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're outsourcing things that you would normally think of, you would normally do, to a third party. Yeah. And if you're not careful, this could become defunct and not functional to a level where the artificial intelligence takes over. Yeah. This is just my conspiracy theory. Because everything you, you learn to do, I watch the kids in the shops, you know. You, for a simple thing like, you know, the value of money. If you're a person who just puts the phone and taps everything out, all you're doing is tapping out numbers, but you don't know the value of what you are tapping out. Yeah. Uh, so then the, the value of, you know, of things becomes forgotten about and there is a danger that with the, the click generation of which we are now all becoming part of um, 
you know, you're leaving yourself wide open to control from third parties. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, I think yeah. there is there is uh, studies that have now shown that mm. just having our phones in our pocket yeah. decreases the ability for us to memorise something. Yeah, and absolutely. Actually remember well, it. Uh, I'm, I'm the living example of that. <laughs> I used to have a, you know, a, a memory like a mother, as my mate used to say, when it came to remembering music. Now I can barely remember what happened last week. Yeah. You know, it, within me, minutes of meeting people, I've forgotten their names. Yeah. It, it's laziness because you outsourced what you knew in your head to what you hold in your hand. Yeah. Well, let me look up such and such. You know, you don't even remember numbers now. I used to have a photographic memory from remembering people's mobile numbers in, yeah. the, in the 80s and 90s. You know, I could call 20, 30 people and remember knowing all of their numbers. Now, I don't even know my own number without having to look myself up and think, oh. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Mm. Although I'm kind of I'm mm. kind of much more of an optimist that I think yeah. we, what we're using our brains for is shifting and mm. changing. So yeah. we can use that part of that brain to do different things. Yeah, but, but we're using it to do bad things. We're not, you know, we're using it for greed. We're using it for avarice. You know, we're not using it. You know, I subscribe to the theory you know there is a cure for cancer out there there is a cure for the common cold but the people who are running it will never sell you the cure they make their money by selling you the treatment so you're dependent on it you know don't sell you the cure because it's a one-off thing if you want repeat business sell them the treatment so they got to keep coming back yeah and i and i and i, and I got to hear <laughs> yeah. uh one of the the founder i think of 23andme which is the dna mm. testing service about right. five years ago right and that's fundamentally what she was saying is yeah. they wanted to get, get us to have information about ourselves yeah so we can prevent getting mm. ill mm. but obviously the pharmaceuticals don't want that don't want that absolutely they have a vested interest haven't they totally yeah totally uh, Amazing, um, you and I can talk on that subject. <laughs> I know we can, but I'd love to. I'd love to. So, mm. creativity is such a big word. Yeah, yeah. We talked about what does mm. creativity mean to you? Um, freedom of expression. Um, not not literally, but you know, in in arts, in emotion, uh, in skills. I guess I don't know if that's making any sense, but I I've always felt I thrived because I was afforded creative license I don't think I'd have been a very good student in going in being told this is how things must run this is how you you've got to do it um you know even my attitude was like that in school you know I didn't want to be groomed to be factory fodder you know I was never going to be that you're never going to make me into one of those you know um why can't I be an astronaut? Why can't I be a DJ? Why can't I can be anything? And instead of asking the question, why can't I? I just, you know, think to myself, well, I can be. You know, it's the power of positive thought, isn't it? But that would have been yeah. partly nurturing, right? So you talk about you yeah. talk about you talked about advice came from your parents. Yeah, that would have been a lot yeah. of the nurturing. You yeah, had. yeah, yeah. That, you know, as a as a man of color, you have to be twice as good. No, three times as good. You know, when you walk, you've got to walk three times as far. <laughs> um, but you you should know yourself. Don't ever tell yourself you're not good enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you can be as good, but more so you can be better. And it's yeah. them. Let them measure themselves against you. You don't need to measure yourself against them. 
And so, and so, you said one of your proudest moments is being here today, and I, yeah. uh, and I have been to quite a few of your gigs recently. Uh, right. And your energy is still boundless. Uh, What's your secret? Well, it's just an enthusiasm. It's a love and, and a passion, you know, and being in a room with, by and large, great people with open minds. Um, there's certain gigs I've steered away from because I find them musically and creatively stifling. Um, and, uh, you know, my older fans, um, supporters, they like what they like and they like to remain in their comfort zone musically. I've got no problem with that at the right gig. But when I'm playing to younger audiences, I love, it's refreshing and it's challenging for me um, to be able to expand musically, you know, go where others fear to tread with new music, old music. Um, and it, it's fantastic. It gives me a great buzz and it gives them a great buzz too. And I genuinely love it still. You know, they're teaching me as much as I'm teaching them. They're teaching me. You know, I learn a lot from younger audiences, which is fantastic. I mean, I don't always like or run with the music styles that that they run with. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm I'm not a fan of grime yeah. uh, because I not because I don't like it because I haven't put myself out to go and hear the stuff that I do like. But I know deep in grime or even in drill, um, there will be something I like from it. But fundamentally, that's not dance music. <laughs> It's yeah. not music that makes people dance. Yeah. It's spoken word or shouty word, and it makes people listen. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of got its roots in like a a, a street oral tradition. There, you know, which is great because those kids, you know, learn poetry. Whether they can spell what they write, I don't mean to be patronising, you know, um, but some of the lyricists are fantastic. When I've taken time to listen to stuff, God. Yeah, you're on point. I mean, I can't even recite words, you know, poetry like that. You know, I guess I come from a music tradition, you know, a 19th century concept yeah. of instruments. So, I mean, I, I've always loved your music. It has yeah. such a range, you yeah. know, in terms mm. of, you, again, you talked about mm. your experience. Mm. What if I was going to listen to one track over the last 12 months that's new mm. and you've re has really just hit you and got that beat and that rhythm, yeah, yeah. what yeah. would it be? Um, what's her name like? A girl called Cleo Soul. Um, I just discovered her about 18 months ago, quite by chance. And I loved what she's doing. It's not really dance. It's something cerebral about it. There's something otherworldly about it. And it's to me very 21st century. If I was 18, that's exactly where my head would be at musically. Um, not necessarily to make people lose their minds and, and, and dance, but you know, there are a few exciting. I'm always excited by new people and what they're doing. Whether I play their music out is something else, but I appreciate talent, I appreciate the creativity, you know, and the passions that these younger people display when they're making writing producing their music i know i've been there yeah i kind of definitely relate to that amazing mm. so uh just finally um as you know uh, mm. my wife tina mm. is one of your biggest fans <laughs> yes, do, you tina, just, we... do, you, do you mind just saying hi to tina hi tina we, <laughs> we love you yeah, good times <laughs> fantastic yeah. thank you you want to lodge the husband he's, he's <laughs> arsenal you can do you can do better 
you've still got time <laughs> to, to redeem yourself. You get yourself. told that a lot of the times, and it's nothing to do with the, being an Arsenal fan. Get him the manager's job. <laughs> <laughs> Send in his CV. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Norman. Oh, it's been I, brilliant I, talking I am, to you. Yeah. I'm in total awe of what you've achieved You're in right. your career. So, Well, we got to a part two. What do you, what do you say? You know, yeah. Because that's part of the reason why I, I was really reluctant to write a book in the first place. Um, because I, I felt that, you know, the, many more good things were going to happen to me and I wanted to document them. And can I also give a shout out to Lloyd Bradley for all his help for with, with the book. Lloyd, I haven't spoken to you for ages. Mike. Can't thank you enough for what you've done with me for Mr. Good Times. Thank you. Thank you, Norman. Mm, thank you too. Yeah, man. If you enjoyed today's show, then do show us some love by tweeting your comments to at weareutopians or at yellyf with a hashtag BPOAE or just connect with me, Danielle Fiendarka, on LinkedIn. We would welcome feedback or any suggestions for future guests. And hello to Jason Isaacs.